Hello and welcome to the Pod Blast. You've seen the title. It's the pandemic special too. Yes, it means that Fal is stuck in a plague house at the moment. His housemate has gone and caught himself a bit of COVID. So that means that you're stuck with me today. But, you know, don't worry too much. It's a pity that Fal isn't here, actually, because... I did plan to surprise him with this film since it was filmed after Diamonds Are Forever. It's Zardoz from 1974, written, produced and directed by John Borman. Uh, he'd previously done Deliverance, so, you know, he was worth uh, he was worth something to Hollywood. At the time he came up with this idea, he was actually working on doing a Lord of the Rings trilogy with United Artists, uh, which would have been... Very interesting to see a 1974 take on Lord of the Rings. And uh, I feel that we've probably missed out there, to be fair. So, yeah, United Artists, obviously, something as big as Lord of the Rings, they, they saw the, the cost of producing this and they, were, and they sort of had a little rethink. But it left John Borman with, with these ideas of this, of this script that he had. And he went to sort of went to explore it a little bit more by spending some time in some hippie communes, that kind of thing. And you can definitely feel that all over this film. You can also feel the influences of Wizard of Oz, you know, if, even if it wasn't just so on point, which it really is. I mean, it's it's Wizard of Oz. But even if you took out those references, you'd, you'd see that he was influenced by it. No one really wants to take up this script. He, he battered it around a bit. Uh, and in the end, it was 20th Century Fox that, took a punt on it i think it cost something like 1.7 million to make and it and it made 1.8 million so <laughs> it wasn't a great success at the time it was panned which i don't think is fair because i kind of like the film you're gonna miss foul today because foul would watch this and i imagine he'd have some kind of seizure and attack me verbally maybe even physically for having to put him through this it's unless you've got the mindset of of exploratory cinema and not minding cheap ass productions like like what i do <laughs> if you sit down and watch this uh you could be you could get angry by the middle of it there's enough breasts in it that Fal, I think, would be entertained for a while. <laughs> I don't mean to take the piss. I'm not taking the piss out of him, especially since he's not here to defend himself. But I think he'd agree that Fal looks at things as as they are, and he'll tell you his honest opinion on them, and we all love him for it. Okay, so I've recently watched the film, so we're not going to do the, the cutaway you can go ahead and do that now if you like. Pause this pod blast and go and watch it. And it's it's available on YouTube and whatnot. And then come back and see what I can think. It's great because this new uh, ranking system that we were able to put Bond in, it works with pretty much every film. So it's going to be easy for me to mark it. I've asked Val to watch it too. So we'll see when he comes back for hopefully next week for Live and Let Die. We'll, he'll be able to just give me a quick rundown of his scores. We're going to start with a pre-credit sequence because it does have one. If that doesn't work in future, it'll either be a prologue or it's going to be the open of the movie, no introduction of the character and what have you. But we do have a pre-credit sequence this time, so let's get on with that. I mean, straight away, it's Wizard of Oz in a Wimple. 
uh, <laughs> with a drawn-on moustache and, for some reason, an onion on his chin. And uh, he's bouncing about like the uh, the DVD screensaver back in the day, uh, warning that if we don't listen to his story, it could be our future. <laughs> so, yeah, great words. It's all it's all said with frivolity and with a with a nice smile on his face, just like the you know, just like the the Wizard and the Wizard of Oz. It's set in twenty two ninety three. And straight away we get a that massive head, uh, show us what you've got, and so on and so forth, that Dan Harmon's used. It's it's spewing guns out <laughs> to its to its murdering followers. Uh, <laughs> we're reminded that uh, gun is good, penis is evil, <laughs> which is which is very odd. It is very odd given when we get onto the plot later, and a big part of the plot is is actually breeding uh, a mutant human who can end life on Earth, these Eternals. And a part of it is promoting the fact that having sex is evil, but enough of it carries on. <laughs> You're not going to stop sex, are you? So the pre credit sequence, I give it a six. Easy six. It tells you a lot of what's going on. There you go. There's Connery. He's not daft running around in a loincloth. Everyone else is wearing these loincloths, so don't worry about that too much. And to be fair, we'll get onto that with uh, with Zed. Connery really makes it so that you don't you're not really focusing on the loincloth unless you are. And and if you are, I can't help you with that. <laughs> I bet Fal will be focusing on the loincloth and giving me shit that I'm making him watch it. But don't worry about that. The theme music as it goes up. I think the music's done. Uh, music's done by David Monroe. But the main theme to the whole thing is is basically Beethoven with lasers. It's Beethoven's Seventh Symphony, uh, the second movement of it. And it's it's a piece of music that we're all familiar with, and it's very suited to this. Charlie Brooker's Weekly Wipe, when that was about, they had that Doug Stein, Steinart, something like that. I forget his name. It's not worth looking up for me. I, I know who I mean. But he sits there and he he tells the news as, as it is, sort of judgmentally on a road uh, in America, uh, sat on a couch and just you know, basically holding up a, a mirror to us all and saying, you're, you're fucked up, you humans. And he seems to be, you know, just having a drink, watching watching the world go to shit. And it is that, it is that same Beethoven Seventh Symphony that's playing. Dun, 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 dun. And I would have thought that Charlie Brooke has used that bit of music quite deliberately because he, he likes his nods to the past, doesn't he? Uh, I've given that, the music a 10 even though it's <laughs> uh they've added lasers to it and made it very 70s i'm not going to give beethoven less than a 10 am i come on it's beethoven so the hero is zed and that's and that's sean sean wasn't the original choice i think they were going for burt reynolds but he'd did he get ill or hurt his ankle, something like that? But he, he he couldn't do it in the end. Obviously, he'd already worked with Deliverance, so it was natural that he'd be in it. But 
he wasn't available and Sean Connery was because he didn't he wasn't getting very much work after Bond I think he, because he was so heavily associated with it so to him this must have been a a massive de- well it is a massive departure and so yeah let's do this let's do this sci-fi film because it's got nothing to do with Bond and it'll show a bit of range and like I said before he really grounded the film he added a sort of realism to it I know that the whole thing is completely unreal and again I wait for the slap on the back of the head from Fal but it's um I enjoyed his performance he looked good in it he seemed to be enjoying himself. I'm not sure. It, it looked nippy like. <laughs> Said's pretty chill through part of the, you know, for the most part, while they're prodding him and what have you. He, he has a sense that there's something going on, but he doesn't know what it is. And he's, he's smart enough to know that sometimes the best thing to do is just keep your mouth shut and, and you know let people tell you what's going on. Maybe that's a hangover from Bond. That's the, the bit of Bond that's left in him. If you just sit, you know, get yourself captured. He liked to do that, didn't he? Get himself captured and wait for the bad guy to just reveal everything for him. He, he, that's what was going on with Zed. <laughs> he was he was chill, yes, but he was also very rapey. And we'll get onto that with the bonus round when I take away a lot of points for that. This, again... Going to politics, sort of, with the whole hippie movement back in the day and the counterculture, and it was meant to be freeing for women. There's certainly a lot of women naked back then when you think about the footage. Maybe, you know, you, you were living in those heady days and, and, and you remember it all. But certainly, I had this perception of, you know, free love, um, the contraceptive pill, burning bras, that kind of thing. It was all very uh, liberating. But when you look back at the hippie movement and counterculture, it's still men in charge. It's men in charge of these these small groups where they insist that they can sleep with everybody, and that's perfectly chill. So I I don't know. I just see it as more, more of the same if anything, it makes it a, a, a microcosm of of patriarchy. And again, it always a man becomes the leader and always he gets, you know, when he's had enough, he's getting you to, to drink the punch, isn't he? I um, So my thoughts of hippies and what have you, of these free-loving, peace-loving, I, I, I don't... I don't see that anymore. <laughs> and things like this, this film, show that because it's very much um, sex is used in the film for aggression and for control. And there's, there's nothing really liberating about any of it. And, and this must have been something that Borman must have observed while he was there uh, because you can you can feel it. In the in the script, we saw Zed get um, get dressed up as a bride <laughs> towards the end, and I feel <laughs> well. Me and Val have talked about this a few times now. That uh, if he had caught sight of a mirror, Sean would have ju- actively just went at himself, <laughs> tried to knock himself out because he just doesn't stand for that kind of thing. <laughs> We're obviously just projected all this on him. <laughs> For the hero, I've given him a, 
a five out of ten. A lot happens to him. He's not he's not that big an instigator, even at the very end when he starts getting Neo like powers because he's the one that that's been prophesized. He still feels very much like a passenger in the film and and doesn't doesn't drive it forward that much. Uh, so so yeah, I'll I'll give him a five. The baddie. Um the baddie I've given a ten. I'll I'll say that straight off. And there's a lot of baddies in this. The Eternals are all baddies. That that cast of people separating themselves and then culling the survivors to protect themselves because they felt guilty at the fact that they were just outside the their exclusion. Sorry, they were just outside their they were just outside what the force field and. They, they weren't into that, so they set up exclusion zones and then they put one of their number in charge of, well, can you just, like, can you just, like, take care of them? In all honesty, they're probably better off dead. And that's where the idea of, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll become a god, just like in The Wizard of Oz. I'll, I'll manipulate their lives so that they're just constantly killing each other and we can go in, live our opulent lives separate to to everybody else and if that doesn't sound familiar you live under a rock mate this is this is a warning for people like epstein and his pedophile island this is bezos and musk with their hideaways this is the you know even you know, it, it mentions that the eternals they they went to the stars and then they came back again because they didn't find anything to to carry on the torment of of everyone else that they've they've separated it's um it's horrible and this 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 is happening in in real life there are people that live completely separate to us that we'll we'll never know we'll never meet but they 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 are in charge of the narrative so things like you know if you work hard the harder you work, the more you'll succeed. We'll, we'll tell that to the person who's cleaning the toilets in a factory. It works harder than pretty much most of them and dealing with all these dangerous chemicals and constantly scrubbing and bending over and carrying heavy things. And, and, and they're on minimum wage, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Whereas somebody who saunters around the place well he's got more responsibility he's he's no no it's just another it's just someone that they're paying to con- control everything it's just another control device uh you know what my politics is like you don't need to <laughs> i'll try not linger on this for too long but yeah the baddie is <laughs> the baddies that we see in every day at the moment uh yeah another one is obviously the to Vernacle, <laughs> he's he's a baddie. He's he's a a supercomputer diamond. So yeah, he's 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 been manipulating things to make sure that it brings an end to it to to everything that's been going on. Apathy is a bad guy in this, um, which is what we all are when we sit and watch people like Boris Johnson. He's well, he what what has he done? He's he calls the unemployed feckless dregs of society. He he. We know what he thinks of uh, of people of colour, <laughs> and I'm not going to repeat that because it doesn't bear thinking about. He 
He constantly lies. I mean, just constantly, absolutely makes things up all the time. He he cheated on his wife, who had cancer at the time, with his with some girl from America that he was using public funds in order to to make her life better and to shut her up. And then he then he has an, another affair again, but with the with the intern, it's just he's he represents the absolute worst of humanity but there is an is there's an apathy <laughs> there's a kind of well you know that's what he's like isn't it that's what they're like that's what you know it's politicians isn't it and apathy is definitely an enemy uh in this because that they they you know they're represented by youth the youth should always be challenging they should be asking questions the that's that's the point of them it's fresh ideas it's well we hadn't thought of that before no because this because it needed someone with with a fresh mind when you you when you make the the young apathetic to everything that's going on well you you've won then haven't you and we can see it happening <laughs> so yeah the baddie is a is a lot of things in this and i'm gonna give it a 10 okay so girl or girls uh this will be supporting cast I, we said girls it is very sexist especially in bond we're bringing this over because i'm you know nearly every film that we watch it's going to be a a single hero with someone draped over his arm we know that that's that's the way it was and these are the films that we're going to be watching so you know we're going to watch them obviously and understand <laughs> that uh it's not right but it it was the way it was so for i've given the girls an eight i've given them extra points the film extra points for boobage just in foul's honor really i don't want to reduce it to just <laughs> to just tit jokes but i know that he would have enjoyed <laughs> this you know this aspect of the film and it may have you know it may have gotten him all the way through it without him getting too angry you know calming boobs val calming boobs <laughs> and send i'm sending them your way mate so that you can uh you can get better uh so who did we have we had um consuela uh charlotte rampling charlotte rampling who I just saw recently in Broadchurch, and I was like, I know her from somewhere, and I just didn't put the two together. Uh, she's just recent. I think the yeah, the most recent thing I saw her in was Dune. So she's having a kind of. I thought that she was having a kind of renaissance of of acting. Like you know, people have remembered Charlotte Rampling, but she hasn't stopped working. She's never. She's she's always been there. For some reason in my head, I had it that she was a Hammer House horror girl. But uh, she isn't. I think she was in Asylum, um, which isn't a Hammer House horror, but it's of the same vein. I really like that film, Herbert Lom and the and the little what's it called, the little robotic marrow. Uh, what is it? Is it a mummy? A little was it a golem? Something like that. And it's oh no, it's the body parts, isn't it? Yeah, the body parts. Anyway, don't worry about that. We'll go on to Asylum one day. Uh, I really want Fal to see that. She was good. It was a weird character because at first, obviously, she's against Zed. And you might, 
you know, you might put her in the bad guy category because she's constantly voting against him and wanting him dead and she doesn't think that she'd be there and all that carry on all the way through the film until almost her penultimate, no, not a penultimate, right, three scenes from the end for her. And she just, she finds him and then she goes, oh, you know what, you're right. Um, I'm on your side now. And if we can escape this, let's have sex. And he's like, oh, "Sure, yeah, you know, let's, you know, the cl- the, the uh, you know, the cum child is definitely working for uh, <laughs> for Sean again. It, you know, it, it's going to be a very potent area. His uh, his grave, wherever he's buried, I, you know, watch yourself. You're going to walk past his grave and find yourself pregnant. It's it's potent stuff. She had a funny slideshow going on. She was she seemed to be obsessed with erectile dysfunction and had plenty of slideshows for that. She also had some soft porn as well to show uh <laughs> to show uh Zed uh <laughs> to try and get him to try and get his gander up. But uh it wasn't that in the end. It was him just staring at her <laughs> which isn't creepy in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> um, who else do we have? We had May, didn't we? Uh, Sarah, what's her name? Sarah Kesselman, wasn't it? I, she's a, again, she's one of those bit part actors that's probably been around forever. I remember her from Invasion Earth, Group Captain, Group Captain. I, whenever I think of that, I think Group Captain Gilmore from uh, what's it called? Remembers the Daleks. I think she was a Group Captain. Right, next henchman. I didn't know what to do with with henchmen. I've given it a six, so I come to some kind of decision. I put friend in there. Um, friend played by John Alderson. He. It's funny the men in this all because he's quite he's obviously very comedic, and so he was you know picked for that reason. It's a kind of jovial Haiti character. I, I wonder if this is where Alan Moore got the idea of the comedian for Watchmen because I mean at the end his last words are it's all a joke like the comedian and again he has this sort of he has a whimsy about his the violence that he expels on other people he doesn't really care about the consequences of of anything that he's doing because it is all a joke and it doesn't matter and it's he seems to have lived it all before this you know it's it's very comparable so I it probably is, and it's on the internet and what have you. And I'm just oblivious to it. Um, John Alton, he's what was he? For? Yeah, he's the voice of like the little Little Miss TV series and Fireman Sam. But obviously, he's, he's known mostly because at the time he was doing a series called Please Sir. I think there's another one. Is it Please 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 Sir? <laughs> Some of that that has been off from it. But it was it was Dangerous Minds <laughs> of the day. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Gangster's Paradise style. So yeah, I'm giving him a six because I enjoyed his character. Next one is Gadgets. Uh, or Gubbins. Every film's got them. I think for this, yeah, it's I've given it a six. Because it, it didn't do too, too badly, uh, to be fair. It's got guns. <laughs> it's got the information ring. It's got space bread. Space bread. Did you see that? That was ace. <laughs> it's got the uh, tavernical. That's pretty powerful, very matrixy stuff going on there. So I'm into that. Uh, giving it a six. I've only given it a, a four for vehicle, for car, because there isn't any. Uh, <laughs> there's horses, 
and Zed becomes a horse, or not literally becomes a horse of it, uh, but he starts to, you know, he's used as a horse. And then there's the giant head as well. The giant head's quite a, a decent way of getting around town, isn't it? So, so yeah, four. Uh, next one, plot. Mm, right, is is the big one now. So plot, I've given it a seven. I like this film. <laughs> Some people think that it's just that it's just batshit crazy, and that's all it is. It, it, it is and it isn't. It's someone's vision, and he's got what an hour and a half, two hours to try and get that across to you, but doing it in an entertaining way. The thing with this is that it is entertaining. I don't, I don't mind list. I don't mind watching it. It's he's, he's got this idea. He's presenting it to us, and and it's in a very colourful, booby loincloth, uh, plastic everywhere kind of way. So, so yeah, where are we? What is the plot? So Zed wakes up in 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 the big head, doesn't he? Shrink wrap people in there. He shoots uh, Zardos very early on. Is transported to the Eternals. They study him. They they he learns about the externals and the renegades renegade renegade, uh, then then the apathetics. Uh, he's shown he's shown some soft porn, like we said. <laughs> he's given seven days to live over dinner. They they just decide that and to age someone by uh, age friend by fifty years for being on his side. <laughs> he reveals uh, his plan to the Eternals, and so they all try and kill him uh, in a in a greenhouse he escapes to an orgy where the the apathetic are sort of feeding on his rebellious energy and they're sort of they're becoming the thing that they're they're meant to be so he escapes that he then goes on like an orgy of learning because it kind of looks like a, a bond opener you've just got silhouettes of of nude women with information sort of running over the head. If you if you played Diamonds Are Forever over that, you'd go, well, is this the beginning of Bond? Yeah, you'd you'd think that it was. And then, of course, there's the shoot-off with all the mirrors, the, the shoot-out in the mirrors where he uh, he shoots himself, kind of, does, doesn't does shoot himself. Uh, very much like Man, Man with the Golden Gun and Enter the Dragon. Very much a trope of the time, but is this the first one? I'm not sure. When was Enter the Dragon? I can't think off the top of my head. So you got that going on. There's also that's where you can start saying, well, this is where it's the same as the prisoner as well. It has got a very much a prisoner feel about it. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't drip feed you all the information that you need to know. Some of it is left for you to sort of put the lines, you know, draw the lines to the right spot and make a, a proper narrative of it all. Which is which is good. It's not as it's nowhere near the brilliance of of Patrick McGowan's Prisoner, but it does you know. But you you can you can see what they're up to there. You can feel it. He then gets his yeah. He then gets his neo powers, doesn't he? Before the 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 last orgy, and it's an orgy of death. Everyone shouting Zed, Zed, Zed. It started off obviously at the beginning of the film where we were listening out to them. All shouting Zardoz, 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 and that changes to Zed at the end. That's to show that you know, obviously he's in power now and what have you. But it's also they were they weren't just shouting his name because because they were worshiping. They were trying to find him. They were shouting him because it's like, well, what's next? We've done the plan. We've 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 killed them all. 
they seem pretty happy about it to be fair which which was weird but you know we're here now where are you and obviously he's scuttled off he's scuttled off into a, a cave with Consa, uh, with Consuela and um he's grown old you know had a family grown old and died simple as that left some cave paintings and uh, a rusty gun hanging in a web which is you know did it happen in the past is it did it happen in a few as it happened before are we are we reliving this this horrible capitalistic <laughs> neoliberal world every every i don't know 50,000 years and it just starts again it no but you know what i mean so yeah the so the plot seven the lay i've only given it a two because it's just some manor house in ireland and there's there's no dressing that up <laughs> so it's a two it's a nice enough house isn't it yeah i'd like to live there actually no i'd probably sell it because heating that place i imagine would be a nightmare you'd have to be throwing servants on there and stuff and i i haven't got it in me for the bonus round a possible 20 isn't it with this i've given it a 10 the special effects are not awful uh, the set design is a lot of stainless steel and plastic which you've which you've got to you know it's the future uh, <laughs> there's um they've replaced the letter s with the letter z in the future which i which i like i don't mind that at all actually i say that i'm one of those really pedantic people when just because I'm dyslexic, and so if something's not spelt correctly, I can just be stuck on the word for 500 years because it makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Back in the day when we all came up with um, with tech speak for the old Nokia's, I I couldn't full punctuation two two space two spaces after a full stop as if I'm still in business studies class, uh, and I'll always be like that. So maybe, yeah, <laughs> the S to Z, actually, no, it'd annoy me. <laughs> it's just fun because it's the future. You've got the, uh, you know, where's the feet is going to just stay? In a bag. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, of course, that's what they're doing. They've got these feet gestating in a bag, in a bag, in a crystal. Very futuristic stuff. But it's lost a lot of points. The directing, just too much smoke. I know they wanted to make it look like whatever, the, you know, the future, it's uh, dystopian and all this carry on. But it's, yeah, it was too much smoke. <laughs> it was it was airing on um, the Holy Grail amount of smoke where it sort of, sort of takes away from some of the scenes sometimes. Uh, then there's, of course, there's a lot of minus points because you have to. I mean, there's this. There's a fishnet rape. There's a hay bale sexual assault. There's a, he tries for a, um, a tug of war freeway rape. It's just yeah, and it's getting back to that hippie stuff, and we got over that, so I don't need to go over it again. So he got a ten. So that means at the end of this, I've given this a seventy-four out of tronta pasanta out of one hundred and twenty, which isn't too bad i mean we've scored some of our some of our bonds there haven't we i mean on a majesty's secret service I, it, what's that 83 it's it's only it's only nine behind it isn't it it's it's not it's not a terrible movie <laughs> uh i'm sure that foul would have scored it very differently and maybe he would have affected my scores by his 
enjoyment or lack of, but that's that's as they are for me. I've asked Fal to um, have a little look and start the next episode. Hopefully he'll be here for Live and Let Die, like I say, and he can just give us a quick rundown of his scores so that we can put it in the bank for when we leave the Bond season and go on to other movies, which are quite a way off at the moment, considering we've only just got to Roger Moore. Right, well... If you've made it this far, listening to my monotonous tone, then well done. You're a, you're a true believer, and I appreciate you downloading and playing this in your kitchen while you make the Sunday dinner. Um, we love you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Keep spreading the word, letting people know that it's going on, that, that not even COVID is going to stop us. And uh, we'll see you next week in a minute. Laters. Hello and welcome to the Pod Blast. Hmm. Well, that eerie sound you hear, or don't hear, depending on your perspective, is the sound of a missing foul. Yes, foul's not uh, here to record today, and that's the reason why you're listening to the Pingdemic special. For he has been pinged, and rather harshly too, right where he doesn't need it. Foul has come into contact with two people that have tested positive for COVID, so he is now self-isolating. Luckily, we've planned for this, and now I'm able to bring to you this special episode. Briefly going through the history of the Shaw Brothers Studios, uh, the production company that made Return to the 36th Chamber, which we'll be watching next week instead. This special report was definitely not recorded in China before the pandemic and certainly does not include anyone that has anything to do with anybody that has had anything to do with the production of any Kung Fu movie ever. It is instead a stylized, pumped-up, mostly untrue account from somebody who doesn't exist beyond the shitty editing job I've made using out-of-context kung fu dialogue. So let us go now, via the use of your imagination, to China, and to my interview with Mr. Run Not Sure.
Hello and welcome to this special pod blast where I'll be talking to Mr. Run Not Sure here in his Hong Kong home about the rise of Kung Fu in cinema. So first of all, uh, thank you, Mr. Run Not Sure, for welcoming me to your beautiful home. Uh, can I ask, do you live here alone? I live here with my sister. She's gone shopping. Right, okay. My sister said we'll teach you how to use it. How to use what? May I please ask your name, sir? Oh, oh yes, of course. Sorry, I'm Dave. Are you a friend of Charles? No. I emailed your agent and, and arranged the meeting through him. Uh, Mr. Ting? That's him. Yeah. I thought I could start talking about your early years, when your brother first acquired a cinema in Shanghai through bad debt. You planned well. Thank you. So this happened in, what, 1925 and straight away your brother wanted to produce movies. How long after he started making movies did you start to help? Two weeks since I was six. Wow, that is young. I, I think I just played with Star Wars toys when I was six, you know, so to be helping out on a film set would have been a dream. I admire your spirit. I admire yours. It's the spirit that matters. For the next few years, your brother built more cinemas in order to distribute the films you were making uh, due to a consortium of movie producers trying to block you out of the business. Rebels, turncoats, traitors. Strong words, but I, I totally understand. But it did mean in 1937 your family owned around 139 cinemas and several theme parks. But of course, 1937 also brought the invasion of Shanghai from the Japanese. But no something like this was going to happen eventually because of the political climate. Your brother had already moved most of the production to Hong Kong. What was left was taken by the occupying forces and used to produce and, and show what Japanese propaganda, and they even turned one of your theme parks into a POW camp for Australian soldiers. Perfect. You also had the foresight to bury millions of dollars in assets, uh, gold, precious stones and cash, in your back garden. And the whole time the Japanese had orders to capture you and your brother, but you just stayed on the run. I don't care about orders. Uh, thankfully, because after the war you were able to rebuild the family business, but this time from Hong Kong. Only you didn't go straight away, instead you helped produce movies for the Malay audiences once again. This was how the business was until, what, 1957, when you moved to Hong Kong, with the dream of building a super studio, bigger than those that inspired you in Hollywood. You're an extremely astute fellow. Again, thanks. You looked over the whole of production at this time, didn't you? Because your brother had lost interest. And he was, to me, like a father. I bet. I wonder if he would have stayed if he knew what you'd planned, because you bought 850,000 square foot of land from the government in uh, Clearwater Bay. You built 12 studios, apartments, kung fu schools, workshops, caterers, basically everything you needed to create the most productive productive studios in the world, something I doubt we'll ever see again. You had 1,500 permanent staff, including groups of actors and directors with their own film crews that produced up to, what, 400 films per year at its peak. Ah, that was great. I bet. And one of those crews you had was The Venom Mob, directed by Chang She, who produced some of your best kung fu movies he also directed the first movie at your studios to make one million dollars and so he was very important to you who was he what shang she uh oh <laughs> you're playing a joke <laughs> on me very good please get up okay sit down i please get up sit down what are you please get up 
now hot. If you would be kind enough, let me examine that fine sword. What do you mean, my fine sword? You seem just right. You look into my eyes. What are you doing? I have been tattooed. Look at them. Whoa there, mate. What are you up to? I can see you. Groin. Well, yeah. You seem just right. You have a job. You're getting a boner, mate. I, I, I've got to be off, like. Just a twinge. A twitch. I've seen how good your techniques are. Try ten strokes. Hey? Stop pretending. Take them. You don't have to speak. I really need to get out of here. Um, thank you for the interview, but I best be off, mate. You know what I'm saying? You have my respect, good sir. You have to die. What? Listen, I I'm not gay, mate. And there's no smoke without fire. I don't want to kill you. Well, don't then. What are you doing? <laughs> ah! Ow! Shit, Bob! And I think that's quite enough of that, don't you? Business will presume as, as normal next week. Fal should be back. If not, we have contingency plans. But hopefully he'll be all clear and he'll be back again. I've got to say thank you to couple of people uh we've been getting donations now which are helping us get that studio together so that we can start recording these for youtube uh so if you've donated some money thank you very very much and if you haven't yet you know just sling us two quid or something do you know what i mean it's it honestly it just goes towards the video equipment and we'll be out on youtube then and you'll see our faces in all their glory there's a couple of people, there's lots of people listening to us in the UK, but there's, a, there's someone very specifically in the, the States and someone in Spain who listens to every single episode as they come out on the day. So thank you uh, to you two, whoever you are. We've also got people in India, Costa Rica, Austria, Australia, all over the shop. So so thanks for listening and uh, I'll see you in a minute, innit? Laters.